Welcome to episode 308 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righto guys, welcome along to episode 308 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, and you? I'm bloody brilliant. It's good. Yep, got my cup of tea. Yeah. Got the, got the squirty gun so we can get the cat. I'm not an animal lover. And Cat's getting to me this Tess morning. is loving John this morning, isn't she? I attract animals. <laughs> Why is it? Why is it that when animals, when, you, when you're not an animal lover, because I'm not much of an animal lover either, mm. they love you. I know. Your strange attention. old world, Bevan. It's a strange world we live in, John. I am talk is proudly brought to you by coffeesofhawaii.com. I've got, got, got a coffee fit for you this week. Good. Someone sent through like 10. Really? Yeah. You got 10 weeks of content. And I tell you, I'm loving it. Athlinks.com. Oh, we've got lots of news on these guys this week as well. Yes. Yep. And extreme endurance. Your electric buffer to help me be a better, faster winning athlete. There you go. I even put winning in there this week. Okay, on this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. You haven't written up next week's one. Save. Oh, have you? I didn't say that. Yeah, you might veto it though. It's not. It's. it's I've heard stronger ones. Okay, but we'll, work in progress. Yep, <laughs> yep, work in progress. Age group of the week. We've got a episode of the week. We've got a new feature, John. Yeah, it's kind of a new feature. We'll come to that when we get. Is there. it going to be one of those new features that we do once and never do again? Possibly. What's some other features that we've done once and never done again? We, um, we didn't do a lot of club of the week, joke of the week. I've pulled back in recently. Yeah. Um, it's been a highlight rant too. Rant of the week comes and goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, those were a few that I can think of. Okay, good. And then we've got questions and answers at the end. Okay, news. Well, first of all, we had Ironman South Africa like, happening last weekend. And it's really interesting if you look at last year's times. Now, was it last year's times in comparison to this year's times? So last year, Raina Tissing did 8.05 and Chrissy did an 8.33. This year's winner did an 8.34. So Chrissy would have won the race. <laughs> she would have too. <laughs> But the reason for that is the weather conditions were pretty atrocious. Yeah. Um, I, I had a very quick look online. Um, I was looking online at a different result and I went, oh, I'm in South Africa, I was on, just chucked on the live coverage to see what sort of a job they were doing with that. And uh, and I could see the wind blowing very, very hard. Everybody had jackets on yep. and they just had um, just a stationary camera filming some people going past on the bike. And they were in this <laughs> tiny gear. It was on the flat, and they were spin. They were they were sort of middle to back of the packers, just spinning away in this tiny little gear. It looked like they were hardly moving. So, um, what, what, what traditionally time? What's the traditional time they do there? Is it around eight? Ten? Well, uh, I mean, it's uh, obviously pretty fast. Yeah, like, like eight oh five. I mean, that was a course record, but uh, you know. You would, that's 30 minutes slower yeah. and the guy um, who won the race Clement Alonso McKernan um, is probably you wouldn't say not quite the standard of a Reynard Tissink but um, not 30 minutes slower so uh, I think conditions were just um, were just diabolical uh, so we had an email in from um, Rob Heath Rob Heath he's saying this one was a little bit long he feels he had his GPS on and it was 4,300 metres and, and that, that 500 metres over this is a bit out there yeah but, well you look at the times of the, the, the top, top guys coming out was uh, 54 minutes and uh, there's not many under under an hour only so, three yeah so that would indicate it is uh, extra 500 metres so that's an extra probably seven seven-ish six seven minutes or so how did they get it that far wrong John like nowadays in today's technology with GPS's and stuff like that you think measuring a course is 
you know, sure, you might get a little bit of more 100 metres here or there, but yep. 500 metres is massive. It's pretty significant. And it sounded like whilst the conditions were terrible, um, the, the swim was not diabolical because it was in a fairly sheltered bay. So it is a, it is a bit of a shocker. Mm, it, it does the swim, you should always be able brutal. to control. What's that? The swim, you should always be able to control. The yeah. run, if you're doing out and back, should be pretty straightforward. Bike, loop courses and stuff, a little bit different, but swim, pretty straightforward. Yeah, wow. So he, he said the swim was long. Um, he said the bike was uh, a nice, easy, smooth course, but with 60k an hour headwinds and on the only hill, um, which was long and gradual. Bike times were poor compared to last year, which was excellent conditions. The run was pleasant if you were quick, as the wind picked up after 3 p.m. Um, and then again after 6 p.m., the uh, the rain started pouring in for anybody who was sort of over the 11 hour. Icy area. rain, John, not just rain. Icy, Icy rain. And he said it was a real shame because he said normally the race has fantastic spectators, great crowd support, um, but the wind and the rain detracted from the pros. Yeah. Interesting point that he made out, Rainer Tissink, who did finish the race, um, he only entered last week, he did the Cape um, the Cape Epic mountain bike race, which is a it's a multi-day massive, you know, okay, it's I think like I've seen one it, yeah. of the world iconic um, endurance events in South Africa. And he How did, did he that. go? I've got no idea. Interesting. Mm. Um, and... He just did the race by the sounds of it just to, to validate because he's got a had a strong Kona and he had another Ironman race. He's probably got enough points already, but he had to do an Ironman somewhere. Yep. So he just looked like he went through the process. James Kanana, who we were sort of mentioning last week um, about you know possible local winner, um, and Jody Swallow, those guys both had injuries and didn't race. And yeah, in terms of the times... Last year, Chrissy would have uh, would have won based on her time, but obviously very different conditions. Just he on just on Rob, he had a great day. Yeah, he, uh, he managed to get uh, sixth in his age group, thirty six overall, and the twelfth South African home, and only his second Ironman. So he was absolutely delighted. Good, so, good boot, Rob. But he said lots of pesky Europeans here to pick uh, up early. Bloody Europeans, go back on the ships. One thing, one thing about it, which was really interesting, was that he wrote this email on the night of the race. Exactly. He went back to his room and wrote this to us. I was like, man, that's commitment. He said special mention to Diana McEwen who, uh, in fourth place. Her first race as a pro last year. Um, as a pro last year, she was DQ'd but finished seventh overall as a female age grouper. So the results side of things, um, we had. Uh, Interesting, we had Andy Bush, I can't even remember, Bouchery or whatever, his, his, uh, he was leading the race for, for quite some time and leading on to the run and then uh, crumbled up in a heap and uh, didn't, did not finish. Um, and then a couple of guys that were sort of going neck and neck um, behind him were Clement Alonso McKernan and Cyril Vino. Um, and Alonso, uh, Clement had a storming 2.46 marathon yes, to, to almost 10 minutes, fast, 10 minutes faster than everyone else so he swam, he swam 54 which was by far the fastest but from what I can see 5 minutes in front of everybody out of the swim he rode 4.48 and then he ran 2.46 from 8.34.35 sounds like a pretty controlled race eh? you know knew where he was yeah. at and just took it home but just kept the, kept the hammer going on the run when he was well clear so he had a about a seven to eight minute victory over Cyril Vino uh, and then Mike Aragos was in third in 8.46 Got old, um, the big man was down there in sixth place in 9.09 and Reynard Tissink um, came home in 13th pro 13th but there's a couple age groupers in front of him as well in 9.31 so and, and the female side of things or the chick side of things good old Natasha Bittman winning a race again and how cool was that? Yeah, I mean she's 45 years old so again we've, I think we've brought this topic up before is who's the oldest 
pro to be winning a race, and that would certainly have to be up there. I would yeah. have thought. Um, forty-five. Yeah, it's not that old, Bevan. Forty-five is not old. Well, no, it is. It is for, for a pro, pro athlete. That that, that's phenomenal. That's awesome. How old was Dave Scott when he got second in Hawaii? Forty-two, I think. I'm okay. Pretty sure it's forty-two. And that's pretty awesome for a man. We know chicks tend to last longer. Not just at Iron Man. <laughs> but uh, 45, that's impressive. It was so, nice to kind of wake up. I didn't really cover this race, and I just saw it the next day. And I thought, oh, it was nice to see Natasha win a race. Yeah, and um, she had her traditional swim, so 114 in the swim. Wow. But none of the other girls broke an hour. Virginia Brissetagi looked like she was one of the first females out in 103. And she was... Uh, she happened to her? Yeah, she, she was actually second. The girl who was second came out in an hour and four seconds. But Virginia Brissetagi was was look, when I looked at the quick report, she was she was pushing through the field, and I think she was up to second place and closing in on first. So she must have had a big fade on the bike because she only rode a five forty and then ran a three twenty four. So Natasha Badman, um, one fourteen swim, average, always been the same with that five fourteen on the bike and then a three twelve on the run for a nine forty seven. So I think when you look at her run split, three twelve looking at these conditions is pretty respectable because you know a lot of not many of the guys went under um went under three hours how was your run joe yeah, joe's joe's in for a run she's hardcore up at, she was up at 5 30 in the morning going for a run my girl she's hardcore so natasha babman awesome effort um coming through for 9 47 she had to, to had to do it on the run get off my knee cat <laughs> joe take your cat john's loving her um and she had to do it on the run. She came home and she had a, about a five-minute victory over Simone Brandy, who's also a Swiss miss. And then Diana Reiser was in third in 10.01. Where will Batman go down in history? You know, if we think of legends, like she won Kona six times, you know, so... Oh, massively. Yeah, legend. massively. But she seems to be the forgotten legend, if you know what I mean. Like, she doesn't seem to get as much credit as, like, a Paula or... And why do you think that is? Because she's not American, she's not an English speaker. Is it, is, oh, really? You yeah, think that's I think, it? Oh, I think if you went to... I don't know, the German listeners, can, if we've got a few out there, can probably say, say otherwise. But I think over there, she would much, be much bigger. But she is well, she was without a doubt. rock star. She was just dominating. Especially because she was such a bad swimmer. Mm. You know, to, to win six corners swimming like that. And she had a couple of placings as well. Yeah. I remember um, the first year she went head-to-head with... Um, with Paul and Newby Fraser, they came off the, I think they came off the bike together, I just remember on the run, they were going head to head, and, and Newby Fraser finally, I think, got her at the end, but, um, oh no, she's got to go down as, as one of the very, greats. Very greats. Yeah, and, yeah. Does she speak English at all? Yeah, she does. Because um, we still do legends on her at some stage. Yeah, but she's, um, she's a bit different. <laughs> nice. nice. What do you mean by that, John? <laughs> well, she's just got a different personality, yeah, just a different way of, uh, of, of looking at, Triathlon. She's a bit. Of, she's in a in a happy place. Oh, that's what I like to see, John. Yeah, I'd rather place. be in a happy place than a sad place. That's anyway. Yeah. So, what are you, are you? You're basically saying that most triathletes are sad. Well, uh, no, she's in a very happy place. <laughs> yeah. You're getting yourself in trouble. We had another race on. I'd never heard of. And John's got the race results up for. It was a brand new race, Kosamui Triathlon. Uh, it's a, it was. A, I think it was a three k swim. Um, it was a hundred k bike, hundred twenty k bike, and a thirty k run. Kosamui is a small island. I've been there. It's. Uh, it's down it's a bit tourist spot, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's off Thailand. Thailand, Thailand yeah. And it's, um, I'm pretty sure they biked basically a lap of the island. It's 120k around the island. Um, and it was been put, in, put on by a French guy. And I'm pretty sure that it's the same guy that runs the Embram Man Triathlon. And they must have got a, a smack load of money from the, um, the tourist authority over in Thailand. I'm picking because they had, I, I think it was $130,000 US prize money. Um, I had a guy that was racing over there and he said it was a, a fantastic process pro field um he said it was really disappointing they only had a very small 
field of you know eighty or so starters in total. So for a new well, John, race, we hadn't even heard of the race. I'd heard a little bit about it, but mainly because my guy was a guy racing there. Um, but you know, uh, a lot of people have probably never heard of Embrim before, and that's one of the highest paying prize money races in the world as well. If, um, so this guy just goes about his business, but he's, he brought together a stellar pro field, and we haven't seen the full results yet, so I've just got a few names. Um, but he said they did race organisation. No, was, no, was, I've got the results. Good. Hey, got you have got the results. Well, I searched everywhere. Carol Stephen won it. Yeah, where did you find that? On their Facebook page. Oh, there you go. Uh, Carrie Lester. Mm-hmm. And second, Joanna Lorne got third. Yep. And, and Granger got fourth. Yeah. Um, Erica Cosmos got six. And so on, and the boys. The guys, you had David Dallow first, yep. Ferris second, Marino was third. Yeah, um, Marcel Zamore. Yeah. And then... But you had, also Bert, had Dirk, Dirk Bocker was seventh, in seventh. Ken Brown ninth. Yeah. Joseph, yeah, that's better really. So that's a very strong field, you know, when you you think of that sort of, you got Ferris, yeah. Marino, Dirk Bockel. That's probably... It's right fourth. up there. Yeah, one of the, probably the sixth biggest race in the world. Yeah. Based on field. So... Outs- I mean, great for this guy to be putting on the race. I think what this really highlights to us is, well, no, sorry, a bit more about the race, extreme heat, like full-on heat. Just um, mega death. Th- you know, it's only about 35, which is bloody hot as it is, but it's just that Asian heat that is so oppressive when you've got the, the heat, the humidity, and the sun. And a lot of guys were saying it was the toughest conditions they've ever raced on. And that's really one of the reasons why there's, there's not a great amount of iron distance races in Asia, because it's just so hard to race there. So tell you one thing that we probably should do is um is we should probably give our age group of a week to a guy called Cam Brown. Yes. He did take out his age group, right on Cam. <laughs> you won the veteran men's section. I just saw a picture, it was on a New Zealand site and he was standing on top of the podium uh, winning the veteran men's section. but my guy actually who raced over there, he uh he was st- had eight stations every twenty K on the bike and he was stopping and he was drinking a drink bottle and then he was putting three drink bottles on his bike every every uh twenty Ks. Now he did have a little few issues with uh, having too much fluid yeah. but that gives you an indication of how hot it was and he trains he lives in Asia Masters so. Women's winner was Belinda Granger as well one of them was Belinda Granger no, age group and Justin Granger got second in the <laughs> Masters Men's so it's good to see these young athletes coming through you know <laughs> So I think what what um, Rob suggested to me was that this might be a good a better place to have sort of a destination triathlon, maybe a shorter course race because long course racing is just mm. so hard in that heat. Mm. But um, yeah, it's got a bit of potential. Oh, well, we'll look out for it next year if you're in that part Post of the world Moy, as well. Nice yeah, place to go. <clears throat> obviously, they didn't get much PR. Well, he must have a database. I imagine he sent it out and hope that, that that's the way to do it. But yeah, you know. Support these kind of races. Okay, well, the Ironman Legacy winners have been announced, and a few interesting things. John's going to go blow his nose because he's all over the place. I'll keep talking. So, what's been really interesting about it is that it's the first year in doing it. Now, the Legacy is where once you've done 12 Ironman, you go into a lottery. Where are you going? Uh, you probably want to go to the toilet because I don't know if I've got tissues in there. John's all sniffy today. So, what, what the basically story is is that. <clears throat> If you've done, hi Tyler, it's all, it's all happening here right now, um, is if you do 12 Ironman, then you go into the draw to get a Kona slot. And once you've done the 12, you know, then, then you, know, you can get to go to Kona. Now, this is the first year that it's been happening. So they basically said they had 150 people at, you know, apply for it. And then of that, they could only take 100. So they took the first, well, basically the people who had done the races, you know, plus 12 or more, first really but that was kind of how they did it and so exactly. all the people who did it were over 43 years old so these are people who've been around the sport for a long time um i didn't hear everything you said but i think there were people under 43 but they seem to take the older people first oh well, you've got all aged 43 plus 
Well, the people they picked were all up at age 43 plus. That's what I said. Yeah, but there were people under 43 that still oh, applied. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, but I mean the ones that they picked. Yeah, yep, 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 yep okay, yep. I think you did an outstanding job on that. Thank you. Uh, I kind of kept it rolling, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, great. Didn't even have to push stop. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so, and so there's a backlog of 50 next year, and the assumption is that they'll probably be first in next year. Yeah, so I think it's a. I think everybody agreed. Well, not everybody, but most people seem to agree that this, oh, is, a, this is a good initiative and uh, and smaller lottery, bigger reward for the people that are that are hardcore. Is it going to be a problem long term? You know, because you know there's going to be guys out there who are motivated to get their twelve Ironman done now, mm. to get their Kona slot. Is there going to be an issue ongoing that a hundred's not going to be enough? I, I, I wouldn't have thought so. Um, because you can only do it, you know, once. Once you've done your, once you, you've done your, your legacy race, you can only do it once. Oh, so you can't do another twelve races? Yeah. Well, I, I don't think so. But if you've done twelve and you go to Kona, then you can't apply again the next year. So yeah. I, I think they would have thought it through, and 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 I, I don't, oh, don't it's, see it being it's such a great initiative. And you know what? I actually think we came up with it. We've been talking okay. about this for years. No, we did. We took you many years ago. We said this, but it's more importantly not that we need to take all the credit, but we do. But and more importantly, it's it's rewarding the people who are great for our sport. The people who've been the grinders, the grafters, but just aren't that fast. And mm. so you know, and there's a lot of people who aren't that fast, fast enough yeah. to get to Kona. And so it's really great that our sport is recognising those people and giving them the chance to go and have the Kona experience. You and, have to say, yeah, for the people doing it. That you would have been gutted for you, one of the 50 who didn't get to go this year because Lance is there. Yes. Although he might be back there next year as well, but this is probably a pretty good year to be going to Kona. Exactly. Mm. The Hits Triathlon Series carries on. Uh, there's another race coming up this weekend in Marble Falls in Texas, so they have the Iron Distance there. One thing that I noted off uh, the old Juicinators website of tryjuice.com, he said Deborah Batagula has won her, the, the last Hits race, won her fifth consecutive Hits Triathlon Series full distance race in Napa Valley. Now we know they're getting really tiny fields in the Iron Distance race, but the fact that she's done five, yeah, that's pretty cool. and they've only been going since since the end of last like, year, no less than a year, like only maybe five or six months, so she's just going out there and cranking every race, so um, I thought that was pretty Did they have much prize money? No, 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 I think. So, so you yeah. got it, eh? Five wins. Yeah, I mean, I don't think she's um, especially fast, but it's just a fact that she's done five races mm. is um, is pretty impressive. So, well done, Deborah. John's asked you update. What happened in Sydney, John? So, I haven't actually watched. Is Macarin? I don't think so. Well, no, I don't know. I haven't seen the first Australian home. Yeah, well, I think that's. Yeah, I'll go on to the Australian selection in a minute. They've got some issues going on. <laughs> issues. Um, so I haven't actually watched the the full coverage, but the guts of it was Stephen Justice had a pretty convincing win. Um, and the, the men's side of things, um, first time he's won, he's he's always been a consistent performer, but um, pretty impressive to see him take it out. And Richard Murray was in second place, and he's uh, he's 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 a good athlete, but he's never really performed exceptionally well on the the Dextro sort of energy series the World Triathlon Series but uh, normally because he's a he's a weak swimmer and he um, probably gets a bit dropped in the swim and then Laurent Vidal who I picked for the win he came home in third place and the girls side of things Aram Den- Densham um, won that race and now uh, I think with that she has I'm pretty sure and the Aussies can tell me if I'm wrong here I'm pretty sure she has now got an automatic slot for the Olympics kind of like Gimel did through, through, well. winning, through winning that yeah. um, Helen Jenkins was second and Andrea Hewitt my pick on the girls side was third so she no, no, Hewitt is probably New Zealand's biggest hope of getting a medal oh, without doubt without our only doubt hope. John without only hope our only hope are you that optimistic yes <laughs> what if Bevan pulls out a blinder Bevan will need a, a at least a minute lead off the bike and is that possible on a flat course 
Unlikely. Unlikely. If it was, a, if, it was a, if, if this was another Beijing or or a moderately hard course, I'd say, hey, we've got a bit of a chance here. Hewitt's in pretty fine form right now, isn't she? Oh yeah, no, she's in consistent good form, and she will be building. Does she have that rock star factor? Andrea, no. 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 So no. what will be the thick key to who winning the race? Oh, you're talking in terms of. Oh no. Um, well, the key is, uh, I think, for the girls is the Australians not selecting Emma Moffat, which is a real. Why? Uh, Emma, Emma Snowson, which is a real possibility. They've already selected Moffat. Because now they've selected two, two athletes. They've got Erin Densham and, uh, and Emma Moffat has already selected. So there's one spot left. Uh, you've got Snowsill there, who has really has not been doing much of late. Um, or you've got uh, also got Emma Jackson, who's a nut, who's, who had really good form last year. How do you so do that, John? Well, you get, you get the, old, the old legend who's... That's a, that's a hard one, isn't it? Because so you do have the person who's a real legend, and you know what? Sure, they might not be sharp right now, but there's always that chance that in the, on the big day so they know how to pull it out. Let me put this to you. Say Chrissy, just, maybe she just dabbles in bits and pieces over the next couple of years. Chrissy Wellington? Yeah, and maybe she's not winning races. Maybe she comes back next year and she does a few 70.3s, gets beaten, does an Ironman and does sort of okay stuff. Maybe fast forward three or four years' time, would you put her on your team? Say you had to pick a team of three for a... For a Has it been that long for Emma? Uh, well, she, three or four years is a long she, time. She won. She just dominated in uh, Budapest. So she won in. She won obviously um, Beijing, and then she's won one world title since then. It's, it's so she hasn't done a lot. No. Okay. And, and like last year, she was she was getting sort of between fifth and tenth sort of placing. She got a podium here and there, but the other mm. girls are doing it equally as well. And there's a chance she might. So be wait, wait. So that's the question: Is are the other girls doing? Are the other girls better or the same? Well, they're getting better results at the moment. It's a tough one, isn't it? Like it's if the other girls were significantly better, girl or so, so she's gone. But if if it's, it's if it's a bit of kind of like the, they're all on a par, I kind of go with the person who's had experience at the top. Oh yeah, no. If, if they don't select her, they just she because she is the one girl. Like there's about five or six of the girls at the moment that are in in, a, in the mix. You know, you got Andrea Hewitt, um, Helen Jenkins, girls like that, yep. and then you have got Snowstill. Who on if she's on her day, she will just crush them all by a minute minute but half. the question is then can you get her on a day if she hasn't been on a day for a few years yeah so that's uh, poor old but it's a tough one but I do think that if you're in a situation where there's a similar level of everyone and there's a person who's been at the top and sure they might be fading but there's they still they have it's experience it's that spark maybe you know tough decision to make what about the guys in the Aussies what's happening so, <laughs> they've got dilemmas there because so they've, they've, Mecca winning like Mecca didn't win he got about 30th but yeah. he was the first Aussie home wasn't he yeah uh, and so they've, they've, <laughs> they've automatically selected um, Brad Cutterfelt so he's Which in uh, and then they haven't as far as I know they haven't selected second or third um, so I don't know what they're going to do because their men are all over the show uh. you've got uh, they've got their number well potentially their number two Courtney Atkinson, who's hasn't really been doing anything, but in the past has showed he is a he is a potential. So if we go back to the potential Emma, Yeah, and then you've got um, Brendan Sexton, whose swimming is very up and down, and then you've got Maka is probably almost the next strength athlete potentially. And so uh, Maka does have a chance. He's got a chance. It just depends what way the selectors want to go. When are they making their selections? I don't know because ours have been released. So we've yeah. got Bevan. Um, and Chris Gemmel Tell you what Chris Bevan Doherty loved Chris Gemmel At the finish line Didn't he <laughs> <laughs> If you didn't see it So you probably wouldn't have But Chris Gemmel Qualified in the, in the Sydney race So I think he got 7th He got 7th He had to finish in top 8 Yeah so finishing top 8 He was guaranteed an Olympic slot And Bevan came in Probably about 13 and, uh, and Gemmel came up And gave him a big hug And, and Bevan wasn't liking it Was he <laughs> there, wasn't, there wasn't much love Happening there Was he No <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's interesting time times ahead for the Aussies. It's Were you surprised that um, the girl selections for New Zealand? No, no, no. I, was, I thought there was a, uh, a realistic one because so for New Zealand we had uh, Andrea Hewitt and Kate McElroy, which was uh, pretty much a given, and then the third spot was going to be between Nikki Samuels and um, Debbie Wood. Tanner. Yep. Um, but Nikki Samuels had a storming race in Sydney. I think she finished about twelfth overall, and that sealed the deal for her. So good for her. Yeah, good for her. Okay, John. Well, we do have some feedback. Oh yes. Yes, Bridget Swan. Yes. Sent through an email saying IT expert was very wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I just got my. He got here. 2004, up. the third New Zealander, in fact, was Nathan, Nathan Richmond, who beat out Gimmel in the qualifying race in Tasmania. He came 30 odd. Shane Reid was the third Kiwi in 2008, John. Yes. And Matt Reid never raced for New Zealand and buggered off to the USA to try and make their team. Matt Reid did race for New Zealand, thank you very much, but he did bugger off to Australia. So Matt Reid, I think, has raced for Australia, New Zealand, and America. But Is he Kiwi born? Uh, that's where he's Kiwi born, Aussie raised, now lives in America. Uh-huh. So, yes, I admit I was wrong, but. Well, you, you, thank God you did. Live broadcasting, Swanee. Sometimes we get things wrong. <laughs> <laughs> this week in Lance, John. Oh, the European champs. Oh. G- um, Gomez uh, and Nicholas Berg won the European champs. Oh, yeah. There Good. This Week in Lance. Right. The highlight of every week for all the listeners right now. We've got a couple of things in This Week in Lance. Uh, first of all, Triathlete Magazine. If you want to check out a great YouTube clip, there's one of Lance um, wrecking his bike. Great. Yes. And I'll put a link to that on our website. And the great thing about it was he didn't even wreck his bike. And it's pretty boring. Yeah. And it's pretty much kill two minutes of your life. And you yeah. kind of go, Triathlete Magazine, sharpen up on that one. <laughs> okay. Because you know what? And it's even called Lance wrecks his bike impairment. And so there was one piece. Yeah. And then uh, Greg, Greg Hall from um, Audio Technica, the great yeah. supplier of audio gear. He's got Lance Armstrong this week, tweeted. He, Lance may know something about the Santa Cruz Ironman. Yeah, apparently biked the course or something. Yeah, so Lance tweeted um, something. Oh, I didn't, I didn't copy the tweet, but basically saying it's a nice ride, that 112 miles at Santa Cruz. So... That's not that's not a quote. It's just you know kind of close to. But so, seems like Lance is giving us some inside some inside knowledge, Sean. There you go. Look out for another Ironman race coming up this week in Lance. That's this week's this week in Lance. Yes. We Maybe Lance should post his uh, all his results on Athlinks. He probably will. Yes, and that's all. All of a sudden, because he'd have a lot of results too. Because he'd have cycling, triathlon from the old school. Yeah. I've yep. been watching him beat Pig mm-hmm. in a race years ago. Good, a good intro there. We've got Mike Pig coming up next week on Legends of Triathlon. I had athletes, I had Lance and Mike Pig. So uh, on athletes, <laughs> Lance could get all the results up in there. And what they've done um, recently, three new things, three new things. So the first one is they've got a new search and claim tool. Um, tool. So when you go on there, and if you just put in your name and you're trying to find your results, um, if you've got a f- sort of somewhat common name, it'll come up with a. It used to come up with a gazillion results. Now what you can do is you can you can fine tune that, yeah. and you can basically say, well, this is my name, put it put it in. It comes up with lots of results, and then you can fine tune it, saying, well, this is the areas that I've raced. So there's a geographic filter, and then you can also put in your age, and it'll basically filter out all the um, people. Obviously, it will just filter out relevant to, to your age. So that's a cool new tool. The other one that looks really good, and I just had a look at this yesterday for the for the 
Boston Marathon. Obviously, it takes a little time for athletes to update and for the official results to be updated. But we know that they had that feature where you, if you put it in your calendar, then um, it's going to say, right, it's gonna uh, turn I, I did this result and uh, we're just waiting for everything to come confirmed. But what you can do now is if, as long as you have that event in your calendar and that event is listed on Athlinks, you can put up your unofficial results. So if you did the Boston Marathon, they haven't got all the official times up there yet, but you can go onto there and say, yep, I did that race, uh, it's in my calendar, and this was my time. So then people can at least see your unofficial time, and when, when the time comes that Athlinks update it all, boom, then your your official time will come up. So that's a really yeah. cool feature to, yep. to pe- keep people updated on what on what you did um, while Athlinks sort of catches up with the official results. I've got good. the, the race page as well. And I was, I, I was just started doing this yesterday, and it looks a lot easier. Again, they said when you used to add a result, you know, there was quite a few steps you had to go through, and... Um, it was just a little bit painful, but now they've just had a you know a couple of check boxes you can do. So they've got all the sort of standardised distances in there, and uh, they just made it a lot easier and a lot quicker. It's just a one-page thing. Boom! Did I did it yesterday? It took me I don't know thirty seconds or so, and um, and you're away laughing. So some good improvements up on Athlinks. So check it out. Athlinks.com, guys. Okay, hot topic of the week. Probably brought to you by SLS Try. And uh, so John, this week we had a I don't know who sent it through. Do you know who sent it through? Um, no, no, no. You came up with it. That's who sent it through. That's right. Yeah, you yes. came up with it, and it was if you were to change three things about challenge or WC race that could make their organisations better, what would they be? You know, a lot of people kind of went to the races, didn't they? Yes, Jim Murray. He said um, <clears throat> a medal, t-shirt, and value for money, pricing themselves out of the market. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Uh, I don't know who you've done, so I'm just going to go with um, Melissa. Yeah, have you done her? No. Melissa Uri, I'll say, a better service for race entries so it doesn't always crash when races open. Yeah, that's a really good one, actually. Online tracking system improvement so you can follow people on a live time system instead of delayed. Um, when we talked to DC Rainmaker, he was saying that's you know, that the potential of that happening is uh, is becoming much more realistic. More support for local tri clubs and organisations to run the races with assistance from WDC or Challenge instead of taking over the area with locals and more willing to support instead of fly against the race being held in their hometown. Ulrich, um, he came up with, uh, number one, pay for out-of-competition doping controls. Uh, number two, add re- registration insurance. Um, so I guess that means if you, pull you, out. if you pull out, then you've got, you know, I'm sure an insurance company might, I don't know, I don't know, don't matter. Uh, and well, you three, must get some money. Like, do you get money back depending on when you pull out? I think you might get a little I bit back. Yeah. You do, yeah. um, number three, uh, you can create revenue with, while while keeping integrity. Don't pay one hundred and fifty thousand or more to a dubious organisation because you want the person behind it to race your event. Ooh. Maybe that should be this week in Lance. This week in Kate Wahlberg, John, make John and Bevan the CEOs. There you go. <laughs> you win. You don't need three. You, you win. Just need one. You win. <laughs> Joshua Crab, limit field sizes to be appropriate for the course. And beer at the finish line. Okay, Peter Colson's got my three things would be I'd make two races in Kona, mm-hmm. so the World Championships in October, and then anybody Ironman in May. Ooh, I don't know if that would work. I think you have to have two races back to back. So you have pros and, and top age groupers on Saturday, and then everyone else on Sunday, or female, male. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because the, the allure of the race is because everyone's there. So I don't know if the May race would be as popular. But hey, who knows? Um, one other thing, Joshua, if you want some beer at the finish line, go to European races and go to like challenge. Yeah, uh, challenge it's non-alcoholic. Sorry, it's non-alcoholic. Yes, it is non-alcoholic. Yeah. It tastes exactly the same. You could, Does it really? You could, 
Oh yeah, yeah. Is it yeah. really? It tastes really good. Yeah, it tastes exactly the same as normal beer. But I don't get it because I don't. I never liked the taste of beer when I drank. I just drank yeah. to get drunk. Yeah, that's why I stopped. Right. <laughs> that's why I had a problem. Yeah. Hi, my name's Bevan. <laughs> I learned to like it. But I used to drink this beer called Nahiri Gold. You, you, you enjoy yes. that? <laughs> it was it was like eight percent alcohol. Yeah, but it tasted like wheeze. Yeah. <laughs> get a rigger of that. Yeah, and five dollars for a rigger. <laughs> Ten dollars and you had a wild night. <laughs> and I, but by the end of it, because I drank it so much, I ended up liking it. Yeah. And then I gave it up because I, you know, in life you start to get a bit more money, and I could afford, you know, a twelve pack of DB or something. Yeah. And uh, and then about two years later, I had another drink of it and it was just foul no oh you know Peter Colson his second one is bring back uh, I'll up their prize money for the pros and GPS for all athletes and families and friends who can track whoever they want so they can watch it on Iron Live I find it really interesting when, when people say I'm just going to pay more pay more prize money to pros and if you look at it from a race organiser's point of view speaking from John the race re- organiser would you really you know would you be would you go right I'm organising well, well, this it, race it depends on the, how much money you bring in yeah look like at Ironman if you're bringing in 2,000 people and they're paying what is how much 700 bucks for an Ironman now mm. let me do the mess yeah <laughs> but um, that's the thing like with my race I, I put in a minimum percentage of uh, yeah. entry fees that goes to prize money and I always exceed that but you gotta think of it if you're putting on a race and then you've got Did sponsors you really? dollars so entries for a 2,000 people race around $700 you're looking at a mil and a half mm. and so then you're looking at um, sponsors and stuff like that so how much would sponsors and stuff I've bring got you? no idea mm, yeah I think you could probably up it a little bit yeah, yeah. I think you could but yeah. hey if it's, mm-hmm. if it's you sitting there and you're basically saying would you go you know it's money basically out of your pocket okay well Martin Corby he's got make Kono true uh, age group world championship where uh, tiered qualifying system e.g. local Ironman quality it sounds like John system here uh, regional races for Kona uh, spot allocation equally between regional championships to minimise the current USA bias Lady USA we love you um, ch- allow challenge and other decent Ironman to feed into the system that's never going to happen <laughs> come on let's be serious up, up the money and invest in the media for our marquee events a million dollar prize purse would generate interest would it well, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that when it comes to my points. And then uh, find an epic venue to be the alternate world championship. Go to one year and place X to next. Maybe a championship like Nooseman or something like that. World championship shouldn't have conditions that are only favour one kind of athlete. Richard Nicholas, uh, replace the current lottery system with a lottery at each race. That way only Ironman finishes will be at the start line in Kona. Uh, three lotteries at each race. Um, rewards loyal athletes slash customers with a chance to get to Kona and adds a little extra excitement for the post-race awards. That's all I've got. Well, I'm going to talk about Matthew Bins here just a little bit. I'm going to go a little bit off topic here because I've got an email from Matthew Bins and here's a guy called Grumpy Old because he's getting yeah. a bit angry lately Yes. in the discussion this week and he, and he sent through an email saying sorry and I said no, there's a lot of love in the show. Yeah. But he said, mate, I'm not a grumpy old man. I'm a happy dude. It's just that when I'm reading something stupid, <laughs> like the time trial starts, I can call it as I see it. It's for your suggestions anyway. But what happened is we gave him a hard time and now the people at his triathlon club are calling him grumpy old man. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so he's got G, everyone has taken to call it the good grumpy old suggestions. All I can say is that Challenge are doing everything right. There is the business model WTC should follow. WTC run good races, however. The cost of entry and value for money in the events is becoming questionable. There you go, yes. Bevan. Some love for challenge. So, Matthew Bins, you're the, you're the happy old man now. Bevan, you're right. Thank I'm you. i give this to you. I did have something in here for, for, topic, for this ah. next topic, but it seems to have disappeared. Oh, so, have you finished now? No more? Yeah, no more. Can I do one more? Yes. John O. Walker, he wants a better website. 
navigation around the current site is hideous. Have a draw for one Kona slot for one athlete at each Ironman race. Give out some spot prizes and spend some money on the Stella race pack. They don't kind of give out spot prizes. No. Um, with the websites, it does look like they're obviously going for standardised websites across all events. I agree that the Ironman website is pretty stinking. We know from the inside source that they're, they're trying to do some, some work on that. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Well, when we talked to Trisha over oh, in... Um, you know me, I never listen. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but it seems like they're going for a standardised template sort of website for all, for all events. So hopefully people will find that with the WTC events uh, a little bit easier to, to, to find their way around. I know the three things, and, and again, we're not on the inside of the organisation, so I'm sure they've got plenty, from, from whether it's Challenge or whether it's Ironman, they've got plenty of pressing matters on, on what really is going to make the difference for them. But I think one thing for me and um, is, is to produce better TV packages and coverages and I think that would, would flow on so many positive effects because um, well we talked to Andrew he said that's where he wants to go if it doesn't he understands one of the things that Andrew Messick seems to bring to it is that because he has a history of NBA as well doesn't he yep. yeah yeah. That it needs to be packaged in a way that is appealing to TV yeah. and and also he was talking about maybe even having regional TV coverage so you'd send this one to Australia and this one to New Zealand and mm. this one to UK and so on and it'd have a bit more focus on you know New Zealand which would be showing what Cam Brown did in his day and still have the overall race but also a bit more specific to our athletes because I think it'll, it will have a really big flow on effect you know we, we talk about oh let's pay the pros more prize money great you know that's wishful thinking I think but um, if you do the better TV coverage surely that would I lead on I don't necessarily think that's wishful thinking well I think the sport can afford to pay the pros a little bit more um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree, but I yeah. think it's there's got to be a bit of give and take. Yeah. So I think by having better TV coverage, you're going to be creating more stars out of the sport, so the athletes can can generate a better following, and then they can generate better sponsors. If you do better TV coverage, you should be able to get better overall sponsors, um, and then you enhance the sport overall. Hopefully, your participation rates go up if you package it correctly. And I think what we've seen is some races are able to package a really good 30 to 60 minute program, and nobody's going to sit there and watch a bloody Iron Man. I mean, except the real hardcore ones. Um, and But they're doing a great job with the Kona coverage. So I think uh, Iron Man seem to be heading in the right direction, but I think that's a real plus that, that, that have a lot of flow on effects. Um, I definitely think, for me, they need to pump these championship races for age groupers and make them championship races. That's about my sort of qualifying procedure. And then I think we've got to look at um, wave starts at Ironman races rather than mass starts because there's, there's so much congestion and drafting out there that that's just going to become a bigger and bigger and bigger problem and I think it's going to start to really um, bite some races in the bum a bit. So those are my three things. Bevan, your three. Mm, I think one thing they could look at doing, now I'm pulling these out, <coughs> these out of my butt, yes. but I'm pretty good at doing that, and uh, is first of all having an events area for families. So race day, traditionally what happens is you go watch this one, then you go away and you bugger off, and then you're kind of just waiting around all day for your person to come in. Yeah. And maybe what they could do is have a facility where it's kind of like the home base, which start-finish line would be close to, but then would also have a lot of activities for kids and you know, actually really focus on the experience of the people who are there to support you as well. Mm. Now, obviously, they're going to be consumed by trying to support you in the race, but let's be honest, the most Ironmen, people are, you know, you see your person for 10 minutes the whole day, you know, they yeah. just go past you a couple of times. And so, and if you're supporting someone who's out there 14, 15 hours, yeah. you know, if you could have an area that was, you know, you think of what experience do you want the people supporting the race to do as well? And 
to me, if you do that better, then it's good for the local area because it generates a bit more income for the local small businesses and stuff like that. So that's one thing. Um, I definitely believe in wage starts. I think that's a really, I think that's a way forward for our sport, especially because the way drafting's going. And um, you know, we look at Ironman Melbourne and we look at the drafting photos we saw from there. And sure, some of it was blatant, blatant cheating, but we're being forced into a position where that's a big question we have to ask as athletes. And I know I kind of think that if we can avoid that, one way to avoid that is with wage starts. And any other things I would change? I do agree about spot prizes. I, do, I never thought of that. At IMM races, they don't have spot prizes. No. Which is crazy. Mm. Yeah. Like, you know, the, see, when I was doing Ironman, I haven't done Ironman for about four or five years now, so or three or four years, but the, I always felt that the price you paid, you got your dollars worth. And, and I know when you've done more, you can get a little bit more cynical about it because you, the, the experience, if you think about how Ironman is set up, it's kind of like the experience is really set up for the one and doneers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you turn up and it's, you know, Mike comes along and or someone comes along and they show the videos and, and the experience can kind of become a bit of a repeat pattern once you go around the world and you've done a few different races. So if you've done a few different races, you go, well, why would I pay just to do that same crap again? And so, we, you know, the Ironman experience really is created for more the one and doneers. But I always felt that it was fair for, you know, I, I was willing to pay that money for the experience I got, but maybe it's going up more. It's getting up. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same about that as well. You know, when, <coughs> when we were doing races, it was more sort of around the 500 to yeah. 600 mark. Now you're really pushing up around the $1,000 mark. It's, is it really? It's, it's getting up there. It's getting up there. But there's, there's choice out there, people. There's plenty of choice. Yeah, so, so so if anything, on my third point it would be that um, just a little bit more of that kind of stuff. Like I, I, can't, I can't believe they don't have spot prices. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I just as, as it came up, I thought, yeah, why? Like surely Ironman could have some pretty cool spot prizes. You yeah, know, they come yeah. across the line ones, or you know, they do things like the prizes for the fav- um, the charities and stuff like that, which mm. is great. But yeah, yeah. But spot hey, prices. what's it, how hard would it be to have? 10 pairs of case swiss shoes yeah and people are pretty stoked to get a yeah. 250 buck pair of shoes yeah, so yeah um, so you'd probably you, at, at a prize giving you wouldn't be able to do it the, i mean ironman prize givings and most triathlon prize givings where you've got five-year age groups they really start to drag on a bit um no but you, you know you like like lorace so like i do the voice work at lorace now they had three bikes mm. over three thousand dollars in value each to give away yeah now how hard would that and you just did it to the whole audience so you know everyone who raced it took 10 minutes to do yeah. the, all the spot prizes pretty cool spot prizes for a race mm. of that size mm. surely I mean can figure out something like that exactly you know so or challenge yeah yeah well yes because we were, we're leaders <laughs> both out with it's right we're universal because so what's this week's discussion well, since I don't have it in front of me the was, topic was, was, was around sort of entry fees and stuff and the big race is taking over. This isn't just, um, I mean, this is challenge. This is every, everywhere. You know, they're, they're looking to expand. And whenever they go somewhere, there's always going to be somebody suffering. So if Ironman puts on, you know, a couple of 70.3s on the, the in, in California, um, races that were previously there are probably going to suffer from it. So does it worry, this is my, you can veto this if you've got a better idea. Does it worry you guys that all the races out, well, not all of them, a lot of the races out there these days are becoming sort of the medium to big ticket races and you're getting less of the old old school sort of fairly basic level triathlons that are that are reasonably priced so i'm just writing this down because it's not in my notes yes so uh small races are suffering branded races taking over is that a concern good one well yeah. well paraphrased nice nice, nice. Yeah, i should be a secretary <laughs> There are, however, there are some big races coming up, and SLS Try are going to be at some of these races. So, anybody who's doing Ironman St George, uh, that's coming up, I think, 
maybe about the 5th of May. It's coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, nice. The next race on the ITU World Series is in San Diego, and it's returning to the US. So um, if you're going to do that, there'll be an age group race there, I would imagine. Um, or if you're just going to watch, that should be good watching. And also Ironman Texas, which I think, again, is in May. So SLS Try going to be at, at, this, uh, at those races with a booth. Do go up and say hello because the sponsors love it. They love, love it. it when people come up and say, "Hey, listen, to I'm in I am talk and uh, and we love that you support those guys." So um, go and say hello to them there. And also remember, if you go to slstry.com for tri suits, compression gear, um, use the code I am talk and you get twenty five percent off. The gear is gold. John, you know what? What? I'd hate to be have to do that work. Have to go around to, to event to event. Oh, you've got to be selected. Oh, no, you've got to be doing it. It's their business. You yeah. know, like Daniel McDonald, he's always at these events. Yes. And, you know, good on them because it's their business, but phew, tough work. <laughs> it, is, it is tough work, but they... You did uh, it once, didn't you? I remember going to Ironman New Zealand. Yeah, John Newsom yeah. had his little booth there. Yeah, um, but it's, it's amazing. We, we often talk about not changing too much before the race, but it's amazing how much people... Um, oh, he will do those things. So, you know... <laughs> Because you're insecure and vulnerable then, aren't you? That's when you buy stuff. One of the things, I guess, about, you know, buying clothing, like stuff from SLS, you're always wondering about that sizing sort of thing and where do I sort of fit? And I know there's a size chart on there. So if you are going to these races, opportunity to go on there, try it on, get your size sorted and uh, and then go and get your special deal with the code I am talk. So go to slstry.com. Considering we had bugger all news, John, we've got 45 minutes out. Nice. <laughs> it's sensational. Here's some music. Age group of the week. week. Angry music there, John. Angry. Angry music. Do you like angry music? I love angry music. What's your yeah. favourite angry music? I am angry <laughs> by the, ang- the angry animals. Oh, <laughs> jeez. What's yeah, your favourite angry music? Six Crystals fan, aren't yeah, you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, good times. Okay, age group of the week. Now, who sent this through, John? Well, I've got a surname here, Clyde. You might have to do a search for it, Bevan, um, but Clyde sent it through. Okay, as a keen listener and a former. Uh, Christchurch Starfield guy nice. nice nice. I love your show you could do with a bit more fact checking on regards to your run stats now I'm not sure what he's talking about here John I think he's probably talking about Albert Boyce and his uh, his world ranking in the marathons maybe I don't uh, know maybe no I thought maybe he was talking about when we were talking about all the run times but we always go to Wikipedia for that that's true so we can now fix right here okay just we never I don't think we've actually had one Stephen Justice ever. who won the um, won the world triathlon Series race. He's went run a couple of marathons and um, what do you do them in two two eighteen? I saw his one of his times. So not as fast as Rasmus. Not as fast as Rasmus two twelve. Rasmus fastest. Come on, Rasmus. We know you love it. <laughs> um, I would like to nominate my good mate Brandon Croin Coin Crone 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 or Brandon. Brendo, K-Dog, K-Dog, Diddy. Nice, he's got it all. I like K-Diddy, as he is known to his mates. I first met Brendo, Brendo, I'm going to call him K-Diddy, K-Diddy, when he st- I started to work in a large corporate bank in Sydney in 2007. I started a few days after running the New York Marathon, which was a bit of disaster that year, and was hobbling around. K- what did I call him? K-Diddy. Yeah. Oh no, K-Dog, I like K-Dog. K-Dog seemed interested in why the new guy couldn't walk properly and slowly got chatting around endurance sports. K-Dog's, was it K-Dog? Yeah, yep. Because <laughs> it says Brendo's. Brendo's knowledge on endurance sport was limited for his once a year 14k jog to his famous city to surf here in Sydney. At that stage, I still fancied myself as a bit of a long distance runner, having ran a 234 
It's pretty good. It's smoking. I'm taking you down, Clyde. At some stage, I'm taking you down. Uh, New York Marathon the year before and 70 minute for the half a few minutes earlier. Well, it's pretty smoking, mate. So I never listened to Brando when it came to the suggestion that we do a run together at lunchtime. After a bit of nagging, I took him out for a bit of a jog. Brando was then an A-grade squash player, so he ran about a 3 minute 30k pace, which is pretty good. The first 500 first 500 metres, then probably blew out into smithereens for about 20 minutes, where I could leave him in the park bench while I ran another 20 minutes to pick him up for a job back to the office. At early 08, I was sick of being injured from running, so I decided to give this Ironman thing a go. Brenda was also keen surfer, so he would join me out for the odd swim, which were pretty much the same as the runs, where Brenda would do a warm-up of a 135 per 100k, then blow up and stop. <laughs> I love people like that, eh? Another goal to train with this continued for about a year where Brendo decided that he should buy a bike. Being a man who knows the value of the dollar, he scored the second-hand road bike from another dude from work. The first hard cycle workout, Brendan came in. He got dropped in the first 2K, but he persisted and started entering triathlon races. Brendo is also always up for anything, so over the next few years, he combined triathlon with tennis, surfing, snowboarding, and squash. He did his first half Ironman in Canberra in 2009 in a 5.10, which is pretty pretty sharp. And... Uh, uh, finish. Brendo followed the traditional route and started building towards the full Ironman. He ran his first marathon in Sydney 2010 and did a 3.19 with me and former age group of the week, Andrew House, pacing him for the last 25Ks. After many more halves, including Taronga in 2011, it was time for Brendo to, to do the half of the full Ironman at Port Macquarie. Brendan had a solid day at the office with a 10.36, including a 57-minute swim. Solid. Brendo was lucky enough to get himself a slot for Ironman Melbourne in 2012. He seemed more motivated than normal <clears throat> and keeping his training very solid throughout the winter with the odd snowboarding trip down for good measure. Brendo had a solid start to the season with an age group podium in the local mid-distance mid race some 64 minute sprint tries and a 210 Olympic that's pretty solid solid that's really solid and the fifth in his age group and 30th overall at the Wanaka half in 2012 in a 4.54. Brando trained like a demon for the next two months and put himself into a perfect position for Ironman Melbourne. Brando has one of those days in sport that you keep going for for the next 10 years and hope that seeing it will the form will flow again. He came in in a 9.23, a 59-minute swim. Sub one hour. Yep. Sub uh, five hours on the bike, 4.58. And then a 3.17, sub 3.20. Yeah. Uh, came in 19th in his age group and 101st overall, which gave him a marathon PB of 73 minutes. Nice. Wow. Um, Oh, sorry, Ironman PB of 73 minutes and in a marathon PB. Most importantly, he is now off to Kona. This blows me away. Oh, so he must have got, no, what, 19th? He must have got 19th in the age group, but it must have rolled a fair way um, yeah, in his age group. There was a lot of slots, and, and he will be in the most, I think he's either the, the biggest about category. Four, about 40 ish. So this like blows that. me away. This guy has never done any endurance sport to the age of 37. I believe Brendo is a well-deserved age group of the week. Wow, that's amazing, and isn't quite it? outstanding. That's a good story. I yep. like you, like the way you've come up I, with I that. I was a bit worried about reading it out, to be honest, but I thought it was pretty, yeah. I'd probably give myself a 7 out of 10. Yep, good. Yep. Um, so outstanding, Brendo. You've, 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 you've persevered and you've, you've, you've had some good mentors there to help you with a bit of training advice about well, the sound of it. I think there are a couple of aspects. You know, look, it is good to have, like obviously Clyde's a pretty awesome runner, mm. but, you know, it's good to have those people around you who are mm. supporting you in that goal and he's obviously jumped on board. And you know what, a 9.23, and I know Melbourne was fast this year, but a 9.23 anywhere in the world is 
solid. That's a pretty amazing achievement. Solid, you know. Yeah. Um, Especially no endurance background. Mm, mm. You know, and, and what, in kind of like a three-year period? Yeah. It's pretty smoking. Impressive. So, yeah. K Diddy? Or was it K, K Diddy? K Dog? What do we got? We got, we got Brend- Brando. Brandon Crone or Brando or K Dog or K Diddy. I like K Dog. Yep. yep. You are our. Age group, group of the, of the week. week. Love your work. Okay. Uh, sponsor. We're talking about marathon running. So Boston Marathon was on last weekend. And it, we, we talked about the Costa Mui Triathlon being pretty difficult conditions. A lot of people are complaining about Boston. It was, it was horrific. Oh, really? Uh, heat relative to what it normally is. Normally, this time Boston's of Boston. always a bit up and down, but isn't it? Well, it's last few years it's been fast, I know. But traditionally, yes. it's. Yeah. But I think it was exceptionally hot in terms uh. of um, what you would normally expect from a marathon, marathon. And times were massively slower. So remember last year, Albert, I think, ran, I think, a 2.34. And he finished, I think, fourth or fifth in no, the he was fifth. Group. Last few years, he got fifth in the world. And this year, I fifth think he best. was the same. I think he was fifth, I think. Really? No, I'm going to check this out. Check it out. I, I did have a look at it. But he ran 2.47. So he was, you know, tw- um, th- 12 to 13 minutes slower yet he maintained his placing. And I know a guy um, that, that I also coach uh, that did the race, and he was massively slower than what he did last year, yet he was hundreds of places above where he finished last year in his age group. Like he was, um, I think, maybe 20 minutes slower than what he was last year, and he finished several hundred places in his age group higher just because of the conditions. So, um, uh, yeah, it sounded like a tough day. I can't find the results on the website. Um, I found them somewhere. You're not searching hard enough. Do just do a good do a Google for Albert Boyce Boston Marathon result 2012. Okay, um, but anyway, we're talking about coffees of why. But Albert had a good run in Boston for for placing, not necessary for time, but sounded very very tough. But uh, Mother's Day is still coming up, guys. So if you want to get your special the Mother's Day roast, they've got a special Mother's Day roast going out. But you need to get onto it pretty quick if you want to get it there in time. It's our latest edition uh, roast sweet beans from the Big Island of Kona, blended with spicy beans from Molokai and Maui. Sweetness with a subtle spice, just like mom or mum. It's eighteen ninety nine for an eight ounce. 27 for a, for a one pound or 46 bucks for a two pound remember use the code imtalk or if you want to get all the different codes we've got go to imtalk.me and click on the coffees of hawaii logo and there's a couple of different codes on there you can use so get your mummy some coffee hey John. Evan? well I, i'm going to pause for a second because i do want to find them so wait a second we did <laughs> mr consistency albert boys fifth best athlete in the world again again, again. <laughs> i couldn't believe <laughs> so yep so and interesting oh back it up no John it's last year's results I'm pretty sure he was fifth he was either f- no I'm almost positive he was fifth I looked yesterday well in that case he did 237 oh no 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 sorry no 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 oh, no. you're right he did get fifth mm. yes it's <laughs> sensational John I got a coffee fact yes coffee fact what was I saying is start giving Glinda coffee at night Okay. So, who sent them through? Bit Stuart li- Moore. The libido rises there. <laughs> Just son. <laughs> <laughs> so, Stuart Moore sent me through a list of 10 coffee facts. He must have done his work on this because it's pretty good. And, uh, Fact number three, John. Oh, are you going to do more than one today? No, no, I'm just, doing, I'm just doing one, but this oh, okay. was fact this number three is, out right, of the ten. Right. I might yep. just not, not do them in certain order. This one appealed most to me. Yes. So I've been giving Joe 10 coffees a night really recently. Yeah. <laughs> Coffee might boost female sex drive. Might. Well, it we'll take that might as guaranteed it will. <laughs> anything that works. Well, it works in rats anyway. But researchers in, say in humans, coffee might enhance their sexual experience 
only amongst people who are non-habitual users. So the key is, yeah. don't let her drink coffee. Yeah. <laughs> but then uh, one night a week, just load her up on yeah. coffee. You're going to have a wild night, John. Nice. <laughs> so if you, you know, if you haven't been getting much loving recently, team, just <laughs> make a coffee game. Yeah. You know, a game Monopoly. Every time you lose a hand, you have to have a drink of coffee. Yeah. Just that, uh, and it could be a good night. So there like go. it. Coffee fact of the week. Website of the week, you want some music? I want some music. Okay, here's some music. Website of the week. This is sort of website of the week, but it sort of isn't. Oh, I think we've done this one, John. Have we? Yeah. Okay. Well, this is a multifaceted um, section. So it comes from into. it comes from Morton Liebach, and he's saying, he's saying what? This is a long time. This ago, was a long John. time ago. A long time ago. And I was saying well, that you know using a, a carbon bike on a frame on a wind train is not necessarily a good idea because it's not so good for your bike. And he came and said, actually, it's not true. It's actually they're fine, and if anything, it's, they're actually better for indoor training. And uh, but I'm pretty sure we've done this. Okay, so you, he's got a, a fact sheet. You go turbostudio.com.au slash frames underscore indoor underscore trainers dot PDF. Into it on our website. And uh, he's really saying that it uh, you, you got under his skin, and he was upset about it. And the other thing that he, that he mentioned here, I can't believe that I would ever get. <laughs> and the other skin. thing. Um, but this remember about to turbo trainers being stressful for your frame, and the other one about aero gear only being effective above 30 kilometers per hour or 20 miles per hour for the few who haven't gotten on, on the metric program yet are both absolute bollocks, and neither does any good for my blood pressure. So what he's saying is, firstly, it's fine to ride your bike, your carbon frame on an indoor trainer, and secondly, you do get an advantage if you're a slower athlete. By no, but I thought that the argument, but I don't think we never said you don't get an advantage. I think we said that you get more advantage the faster you go. Well, that's yeah, we need to get a sports. So, uh, you right there? <laughs> he's he's got the sniffles today. He's been blowing his nose the whole time in front of me, sniffing away. So the the thing is, you, you you get more advantage if you're going at high speed. But if you're out there for a longer period at a lower speed, uh, maybe it equals it out. It, it's going to work. So well, he's got don't perpetuate these lies, John. Don't perpetuate. We're God, not going to. We're just liars. Anyway, so we've got a new feature. New as well. feature. Tell con- us about it. Contributor of the week, John. Do we need to get a sponsor in? Was that why you did this? Yes, another sponsor. Um, he just came in with a few good points, and this, this was, he sent this in a couple a little while ago. Matthew Tench sent this one in, and yeah. I think it was prompted by me saying um, flippantly something like, "If you can increase your, you know, your RPMs on the bike by by one at the same sort of efficiency level, then you, you're obviously going to be going quicker." And you might you have to do a search for this. John, what's an RPM? Revolutions per minute. What does or, that mean? Or, 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 um, or power in motion of you, Les Mills, I tell you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, and, and, and Matt came up with his uh, RPM-O-Matic. And he's oh, got a, a, here a file go. here. And you can you can plug in some fing- figures that if you change your cadence a little bit, you should get X amount of improvement. I haven't tried and tested it, but we'll put that link up there. Oh, so well, you where's this file? You just do a search in your Gmail and you'll find it. Just oh, you could put it in the show notes. <laughs> I didn't, didn't have it any longer. Just search Gmail. Gmail's okay. a wonderful thing, Bevan. You can search. I never delete an email. That's so, what's good about it. And I've yeah. got 20,000 emails, 30,000 emails. So it'll be there. Just search for it. Great. Search for RPM Omatic. Okay. And so that was one thing that um, he sent through. So if you play so wait around. Wait a second. So, that, so you, you give him a contributor of the week just because he's got an RPM Omatic? Well, he's got a few other things here as well. Oh, okay. okay, so, okay. But wait, there's more. It's like an infomercial. <laughs> okay. 
Um, so, the, so then, he, he, and, and I didn't test so that. Yeah. More. So he also sent through a website of the week. I think we might have done this one. <laughs> oh, this is great. <laughs> but we've had a few of these types of websites coming up recently. Um, so I thought I'd give this one a plug as well because he sent it in. Turbotraining.co.uk. Oh, a, I love it's it. It's a brilliant site. There's tons of workouts, um, timers, and countdowns for each section, user rated, and can even upload your own. Maybe an I Am Talk named um, promotional plan. Links with power, heart rate, groups, challenges, stats, basically just what you need for the long winter of turbo training. And one for DJ BJ here. Oh. It even has a site streaming trance music so you have some motivation. <laughs> so it, it looked pretty cool. I know there's, there's a few of these types of sites out there now, but there's another place where you can go and get turbo trainer sessions that people have contributed. You can sort of search by either technique or endurance or high cadence or strength power workouts. So if you're getting bored with your old workouts, this is another one um, that you can look out for. He also said that we could enhance our Legends strap line. We, we, I think, John, I'm pretty sure we talked about this one on the show. No, doesn't matter. People forget. Uh, we, we go, we people say, forget. we say, people don't listen to us, Bevan. You don't listen to me. It's in one ear, one ear and out the other. It's the same stuff all the time. That's why. Reinforcement. Constant reinforcement. They'll get the message one day. Um, we say victories fade, legends don't, blah, blah, blah. He was thinking legends... Never tarnish. Don't know if that's out, that doesn't no, roll off the tongue too no, well. No, tarnish. No, it's not the right word. Sorry. You got, I like it. And then what is it? We always forget it. Victories fade. Legends don't. You've just listened to another edition of Legends of Triathlon? Something like that. Something like that. Yeah, we always cock it up. Yeah. We. <laughs> don't, don't pull me into this. And <laughs> Tell he, you what. If you haven't listened to Legends of Triathlon and you've listened to this show, sharpen up. <laughs> because... Like I'm really proud of the work we're doing for Legends of Triathlon. Like I really am. Like, oh, you're, you're going to pull around. It's probably tissue paper. Booger <laughs> on his on his moustache line. <laughs> it's gone. Got, got it. So um no um like I listened to the Greek Welsh one. Yeah. Because I was I, I was I was I was travelling I think and I had listened to all my podcasts and I thought oh well, listen, I don't really listen to us anymore nowadays. I used yeah. to listen to see how how quality was and. It just hurt too much. I don't do that so much, but um, and it was, it, it's such a great interview. Mm. Like it's really great. Like Greg Grew is an easy interview, but you know what? All our interviews on Legends are really, really great. And it's not because we're great. It's just that the, the guys we're getting on are the right people, and they've got great stories to tell. And so, if you haven't listened to it, go to www.legendsoftriathlon.com mm. or, or on iTunes and and, uh, and, think, and while you're at it, get fitness behaviour and spread the word. So the, the, this carries on here. Um, oh, okay, get the but this is where we get to some good stuff. Um, oh, okay. It's from Matt, the peaceful trainer. Oh, so is he the other contributor of the week? He, he always has been. Since oh, is it, was this it's still the same guy? Matt oh, Tench, but he, we, okay. we, we gave him a nickname as well, the Peaceful Try Ninja. I'm nice. not sure if it was, I think I might have given him that. Yeah, you probably did. Um, and he sent through a couple of articles for Bevan, and we'll put a link. Bevan will put a link for these up on the show. Yep. Um, one is uh, this is why you don't go to the gym. A bit of a you know the reasons Bevan probably knows a lot about. This is why people sign up and then don't yep. end up going. How we and, make money in our industry. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and so I just thought that was an interesting article. Then the other one he came up with was um, and this is where the coaching cor- corner sort of yep. flicks in here nice. about decision um, fatigue and workout planning. And uh, I thought it was really interesting because he, he talked about uh, I think it was in. Israel maybe or it was somewhere where, where guys go up for the um, go to the parole board and uh, oh yeah, yeah I talk about this one on my podcast yeah and and it's that, fascinating isn't and it and that if you go to the parole board in the morning you've got uh, a 70% more chance of, of getting parole versus if you're at the end of the day so yeah. and that really relates to the judges getting tired and, and what they're talking about with the decision the, the concept fatigue. is basically is that 
when we're fresh, we are much better at making decisions. And then as the more we fatigue, then what we tend to find is that we just go to safe decisions and we mm. go to the easy options. And so in, the, in that study, what happened is they actually got um, – they got different races and different crimes. So they got like an Indian, an African, a European, and, and um, I don't know, uh, Arab, and then four similar sized crimes. So they got like a, you know, burglary, I don't know, maybe like date rape or something like that. And it's kind of crimes that are all similar on par that you can look at. And they were really fascinated and they mixed it up heaps. So they did it over and over again. And yeah, and, and basically, if, if you went in at nine in the morning, you got off 70% of the time. If you went in at quarter to 12, just for lunchtime, you only got off 7% of the time. And it didn't matter on race or it didn't matter on the crime. It purely came down to how tired were the judges. Mm. And so the thinking is that really what we need to get better at doing is having rest strategies in our life and also learning um, our, our triggers around the idea of when am I fatiguing. So like a good example is to go, you know, you know when you're working at a computer and you'll be really productive for the first period of time mm. and then there'll be the habits that slip in when you start to get tired. So, for example, for me, it's to, I'll be, I'll check my emails too much. Mm. So I'll sit down in the morning. I tend to try to do emails once a day. So I have this kind of 24-hour rule where I only do my emails once a day. And then, but let's say I sit down and I work away for a couple of hours and I'm really productive and I've set objectives for my time and all the rest of it. But then about an hour and a half into it, suddenly I'm checking my emails every 15 minutes. And so for me, that's actually a trigger to go, actually, you need a rest period now. And sometimes that rest period can be get up and do something different, so just walk out, have, you know, go outside for five minutes or something like that. But also, actually, like in this in this study, what actually happened is as soon as they went back after lunch, it went back up to 70%. So even like a lunch break, but yeah. even things like um, sleeping or meditation throughout the day, you can perform at a much higher level because the productivity of your time and your decision-making process is a lot better. Well, and, and I, but I think this probably ties into training and racing quite nicely as well because as we get more tired mm. during a race, then you're going to start making more and more poor decisions and, and also you are you are in an environment where you are on energy you know negative energy depletion because you are even you're keeping moving aren't you so it's mm. not like you can stop and never sleep exactly and so you can't stop so you need to come up with some strategies um on how you're going to deal with that and and we know that you know we train and that's practice and practice makes perfect and simulation um helps a lot with this but uh, so often you see people not preparing themselves for when that situation comes for when it comes into the run you know things might have gone quite well up to that stage you're getting to the later the mid stages of the run and the and the crap's going to start hitting the fan you're mm -hmm. going to start getting really tired and that's when a, a plan really comes into to place really nicely and you can just keep reverting back to that so we we often talk about going back to that that process driven side of things where you know if you're starting to get fatigued right this is you know go back to your process and that's one part of it so I think the message really here is is to have a plan um, for your race and, and, and so when those situations do arise you've got a few things you can go you can go back to so if you start questioning yourself or you start making poor decisions late in the run um, you go right boom cue get back on get back on path there Bevan was talking about getting up at your desk and going out so he's got a, a bit of an action plan but you need that in a, in a race as well mm. so um, and, and I think the other thing in this article that, that, that sort of talked about is everybody you've only got so much mental energy and they, they talked about a lot of the guys that seem to do really well and, and be very successful as they, they try to reduce the amount of decisions they have to make on a daily basis yep. so um, you know if you're somebody that just makes up your training plan on a, on a day by day basis where you go right today's uh, Wednesday right I've got to go to the pool I'm, well, I'm, gonna, I'm going to go to the pool and then I've got to yep. you've got to start so all, all decisions you're making in the uh, take up mental uh, it's that thing is there's a really good study where they do um, 
where they got these kids, but they basically, what they do is they, you go into this room, this study they did around mental decisions, and so you, you go into this room, and you, you're going to be going into this next room to do some tests. Mm. Now, the first time they go into the room, they've just got this bowl of veggies that aren't really that appealing, and then they take you into the next room, and they leave you in the room with the veggies for like 20 minutes. And then what they do is you go into the next room and you do these mass puzzles that actually can't be solved, but they're curious to see how long will you stay at that mass puzzles, you know, the idea of, you know, how long will you do it. And so these people will kind of just go in there and the first time when they just had the veggies in the room for 10 minutes, they lasted around, I don't know, but let's say 12 minutes, for example. Mm -hmm. So then the second time they did it, what they did is they put freshly baked cookies in the room, on the yeah. resting room for 10 minutes. And so the smell and, and the food, and, and they said, please don't eat these cookies, it's really important that they're not eaten. <laughs> And then they put them in the next room with the mass test and they only lasted less than half the time that they were doing the first time. And the argument is that mental mental strength and mental decision-making process is like muscles. It, it's, a, it's a skill that needs to be developed. Oh, totally. And that most people, you know, that we don't actually put that into account when we think about our strategies around things like the race, you know, yeah. that how many decisions can you make beforehand so that you're not mentally fatiguing yourself throughout your day. And that's what we talk about is, is having that plan pre-race. You know, a, a hu there's a huge amount of stress when you're going to your A race of the season. If it's an Ironman, there's so much palaver around it, around getting there, unpacking your bike, putting your bike mm. together. Have I got all my gear? Have I got all my nutrition? What am I going to do if it rains? So if you can just do that stuff in advance, a few weeks in advance, have a really sound, but you don't need to be ridiculously anal about it but the less decisions you can be making in the days leading into the race um, and the more prepared you can be the chances are you may have that touch more mental energy in the race and I think this also comes back to um, I think I've talked a, bit, a little bit about recently is saving the mental energy early on in the race when you can so when things are going smoothly in the swim or, or whatever stages in the bike try to relax as much as you can and just um, and just go with the flow and, and don't overthink things just go with the flow and try to save all those um, those tough decisions and that mental strength for for later in the race when you when you will need it because uh, you know there can be a lot going through your mind early in the race and again it's just the, the, the research says it's just eating away at, at, at how strong you might be later on. Yeah, totally. There's, I could go into big stuff on this. I actually have done a podcast on this. If you go to episode 16 of um, Fitness Behaviour, nice. kind of a bit, kind of similar but in, more in depth. So if you want to check that out, go to bevanjamesiles.com. And one way you can um, help, obviously, with the, the planning process is to use training peaks. Look out. No, it's good time. Look out. Yeah, that was good. Because a big part, you know, not everybody's coached out there. Not everybody wants to be coached out there. Um, but training peaks gives you quite a few tools where you can easily, uh, obviously, you can, you can set your training in there. But you can save things to your library. So, you know, Gordo talks a lot about this as well, about having a, a basic week plan that you follow. And if you keep doing the same week all the time, you just, you're not going to improve. Yeah. But having a, some having some routine to your life um, it can be, be really helpful. And we're all going to have our favorite workouts. And the good thing about Training Peaks is you can you can save those to your, to your library um, and then you can just drag them across. And it's just a, another tool you can use. To play, and you can actually set times as well. So if, you, if you're somebody who procrastinates, especially if you're self-employed, like Bevan and I, you know, you can, if you don't set a time for training, it's pretty easy to procrastinate yeah. around and, and well, the problem for people who are in our situation is that something can always come up that's more important yeah. in your mind especially now that we're kind of past the point where we're trying to be the top athlete yeah. you know when the sport's no longer the number one priority where you know in the past you'd always just compromise everything else whereas mm. now you kind of go oh, I'm meant to train it three days but something comes up and yeah. 
you know. So what you can do with Training Peaks, you can set the time you want to do the workout. You can obviously have um, an, um, email reminders, text reminders, and that's one thing about the, the gym article that we talked about as well that I liked is, you know, you join up once and then I know probably Les Mills might be good at trying to encourage you to go along. Yep. But um, if you've got these sessions in Training Peaks, boom, it's reminding you to do it. It's just that, not that we should be feeling guilty about training all the time, but it just gives you that little extra nudge to get, get you out the door. Um, so remember, if you're going to trainingpeaks.com and you want to sign up for the premium version, uh, you can use the code IAMTALKING at a 15% discount, but great tool for just giving you that little motivational push in the right direction and also helping you with, uh, with planning your day-to-day training make sure you go to our website www.imtalk.me and you click on the link to training peaks there it just lets them know that you came through us so they'd be really great okay john questions and answers good old pete sent through this one and he's got i only started listening to your podcast a few weeks ago but it's certainly improved my tuesday commute have bought one of your tri suits yet sorry but he will good make sure you do it next time when are we doing that next time john um probably do them every quarter okay when's the next quarter uh april may june Probably in July. Have they, have they sent out the new ones? Uh, they're probably coming out in about the next week. I think they're ready to roll out. Great. So if you did order some, we've got quite a few people getting the latest ones. So you should be expecting those in the next few weeks. I also got quite um, quite new to triathlon, having only completed a few sprints, but I have aspirations of getting an Ironman distance race done. You two have talked about both starting Ironmans at about 25. I'm 23, and I won't be attempting an Ironman for probably another four years as I'm slowly building my way to up the distances. I figured if people winning them are in their late 30s, What's the rush for me now? Anyway, I digress. Here's my question. And I don't took two hours of graphs to get there, which he, he said himself, which is true. What's the idea of, uh, what is the ideal age for be doing an Ironman? Do you think it's around 25 when you were doing it? Or what are the detrimental effects of starting too early? So I think here, we, we often you know, talk about athletic age is, is more important than physical age. Sure, you don't, want, don't really encourage people to be doing uh, triathlons when they're 15 or so. No. But once you've reached maturity level... Yeah, you once know, your pubes are out, eh? Yeah, once your pubes are out, it's just, <laughs> you can go. you're good to go. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> He's having a heart attack here. Uh, so, yeah, 25... Yeah, when I did my first, I don't know if I was 25, 2000 and... Uh, was 2003, so what I was 2000 and... About 23, 24. I was, I was 2001, so I was 20, uh, 25. Well, well done, good listening. People do listen. <laughs> See? There you go. Um, but I had a huge amount of endurance space on me when Bevan did Oh, his, you're an experienced athlete, you yeah, were. Yeah. Um, but Bevan had a lot of... Yeah, yeah I've been working in the gym for four years. Yeah, totally. So, you know, my, my sort of general patented three-year plan I think is, is the way to go if you're in a rush to do Ironman you should still probably take three years of course you can do it quicker than that we've seen lots of examples of it but I think the three-year plan will, will mean that if you progress it up you'll probably enjoy the whole experience a lot more um, there's no real ideal age but one thing that I'd encourage people if you want to give the sport a serious crack is you do need to think about what you're going to do with um, with regards to family when you're when you're single or when you're just in a relationship and you don't have kids um, it, it becomes a hell of a lot more uh, harder if oh, once totally. you've got family. So and, and debt, don't get into debt. Yeah, like I know this sounds really funny, but I've always been good with money. You know, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's not that I've earned a lot of money. I've just always been kind of anal and a budget and all the rest of it. And I was able to do my Ironman career and not have to earn much money and still not have the burden of debt. And and I. I, I don't get into debt if you're young and you don't want to get into sport. Don't go buy flash cars. Don't go get all this big debt because that actually makes you have to work. Mm. And the more you have to work, the less you can do sport. And you know you might have to sacrifice that period of time 
you know, you might not have to earn so much financially in your 20s because you want to be an athlete, but you know what, you can get away with it in your 20s, you know, then maybe late 30s you can go for money, but seriously, avoid debt like the plague. Yeah, so the answer is, um, you know, you need to look at these things athletic age. If you're 15, you probably don't want to be getting it, but any age after 20, but the the longer you can spend doing some short course, getting some base mileage in there, it's more likely that you'll enjoy and you'll probably succeed a little bit better at the longer distance and it's probably just a bit safer and I always in, it's, always encourage people to try to get faster before they they go longer because um, it's, 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 it's a lot harder to go the other way. So well, I think the other thing is as well is that depending on what you want to do for your career, like if you just want to be a guy who does a few races, ticks the boxes, that's all good you can do that at any age but like mm. for example my mate Jeff the Ref, he's just gone to cycling in the last kind of 18 months and he's doing really well for a guy who's new, you know, he's yeah. winning his age group or his categories and stuff and he's kind of moving up the ladder and doing really great and he, he was saying to me I wish I'd started earlier because you know, maybe if he'd started when he was, you know, 20 or even lower yeah. he could have looked at being a bit more competitive as a cyclist and now he's 34, 35 and so that's never going to happen and so if you are someone who's, you know, pretty sharp at what you do and you are, you know, 23 and you do want to kind of give this thing a nudge as much as we talk about Crowies and that being the late 30s they were actually pretty good from the, you know, from 17. They have been yeah. full on So, you know, if you do want to have that, that athletic life for a period of your life you know, you probably want to move quicker than more than slower. Mm. Yeah, so. So there you go. Kyle Lee, here go, John, you said. Lehenbauer. Okay, drafting. Uh, Hi, guys, found your show this year when I was looking for triathlon training information. And I signed up for the first Ironman this year, Ironman Wisconsin. I've been listening every week and have appreciated the news and training advice. But here's my big question. I know the rules against drafting, but the more I hear about people's experiences in races, it doesn't sound like the rules are enforced very well. Hearing the pros talk about losing contact with the pact means that they must have been getting some draft. For the age groupers, it sounds like they, some people are actually just sitting on wheels. I'm not going to sit on anyone's wheel, but I don't want any penalties, uh, and I do not want any penalties. But I'm wondering if uh, you could talk about the behaviour that's actually going to lead to a penalty. If someone passes me, do I really have to drop back quickly? If there's a line of people, do I have to drop back behind the entire line? If there's a line of people I'm passing, can I go keep on going, advancing, or do I have to pass one bike, sit back and at the proper distance and then pass another, and so on? So basically, I suppose, he just wants to know, he's, he's a little bit confused around, when he goes to an Ironman, how can you draft correctly it's not going to get you penalised but Please. still get the advantage exactly so the, the rules state for this is from the Ironman New Zealand website um, the cycle draft zone is 7 metres by 3 metres or 23 feet by 10 feet which must be maintained between riders and only entered into when the rear rider wishes to overtake when overtaking a competitor has 15 seconds to pass through the zone the cyclist that has been overtaken then has 15 seconds to drop out of the draft zone if the manoeuvre fails um, because the lead rider speeds up the challenge challenging rider must immediately drop out of the zone and may not be challenged again until 15 seconds has lapsed. A four minute stand down time penalty will be incurred for all drafting and blocking infringements imposed by a race technical official. There's not an easy answer here. Um, but uh, a little bit from, from my sort of experiences, if it comes to, to pack riding, um, this is when it becomes an absolute nightmare. And so what we're talking about, there's a difference between pace lines, um, which is effective um, working together with other people, riding at legal distances, and you still get an advantage from that. Pack riding is when you basically get swamped up by a pack and everybody is blatantly drafting, and that's just a bloody nightmare of a situation and very, very difficult to, to deal with. But pace lines, what usually 
often happens from, from my experiences and most athletes is if you've got a bit of a line, say you've got, I don't know, five, six, seven guys sort of riding in a line, or guys or girls, um, usually you get one person who wants to just go to the front and, and keep the pressure on, yep. and uh, and that's that's great because that keeps things Don't nice be that person, guys. <laughs> seriously, no, seriously. Like, if you're an athlete, like, you read Hunter's book, and, and you read Hunter Allen's book in, around power meters, and he talks about, nowadays with power, especially in cycle racing, they have so much good information coming out of it. And he basically says, that, you know, the guy who wins the race is the guy who sits in the most, yeah. you know, yeah. at the end of the day. And, and an Ironman, it's, it's a game of attrition. And if you are if you are on a pace line or there's a lot of guys around you, and if you're doing 12 hours, you're going to be around a lot of people. And so don't be the guy out front. You're not winning the race then. Sit in, let some other mug do it, yep. and then save it for the run. So seven, seven metres, uh, seven metres, you still get to get some assistance. Everybody will have their their magic numbers on what sort of assistance you get but riding at seven metres if you've got a line of guys you still get to get some assistance so I think what Bevan said is you need to be patient and you need to keep an eye on your speed, your heart rate and your power on what's what's sort of going on because if the guy at the front is riding at whatever 275 watts and you guys are sitting behind and you're just cruising along at say 225 watts but you're going at the same Speed, then um, relative, you know, and your, your power outputs are, are relatively the same. You're going to be saving a lot of energy. So you, you you don't want to just be looking at your power numbers and thinking this is a bit easy. You need to be looking at your speed as well to sort of factor in. Well, if I go to the front, am I going to be going any quicker? Um, and what's the power cost of doing that? And you probably find you go to the front and it seems a lot harder. You'll be pushing out more power and not going any faster. Exactly. So, so mm. speed speed's an important um, aspect of this. Also, the pros talking about closing the gap, and I think we've got to be a bit careful about this. You know the pros are racing for the win overall, so they need to race tactically. And if, if someone goes, then they may need to consider yep. closing that gap. If you're riding in a pack or a pace line situation in an age group setting, if someone rides off the front, then you're probably not going to be really racing that guy. And they, no. they might be a donkey of a runner anyway. Yep. So, and even then, if we go back to the idea of who's racing an Ironman, it's the pros and the top five percent of each age group field. Most people aren't racing. Yeah. So know. unless you've really got somebody that you know you've got to beat and you know that they're a similar runner then you may make that tactical decision but in most circumstances if you're in a pace line you just want to be kept trying to keep it as constant an effort as you can and uh, if there's a, somebody on the front doing the work great if somebody comes blasting past there's no need to go and chasing, chasing that person providing you're staying sort of within your zones so just a couple of tips for me is, is you, you do want to try to stay fairly close to the, the front of the pack it's a bit like bike racing you don't want to be front wheel you probably don't want to be second wheel but you know anywhere from there there on is, is good if you're at the back then you do risk that um, that somebody in front of you might fall off the back and that's when you obviously need to might you mm-hmm. might need to close the gap so the further you are down the line um, what about the whole idea of avoiding power surges you know like if because you know you might chase really hard to get to the so I suppose the idea is just sit in the middle of the pack. Yeah, um, the, the, the world we power surges. There'll be, there'll be times where you roll into the draft zone in front of you, and as long as you're not blatantly drafting, the um, the technical officials should have a bit a bit of leniency leniency there. The challenge becomes is when you start getting passed by several people at a time and then you sort of you start having to freewheel a bit. So if somebody comes past you and uh, and then say so, so you're in, in New Zealand and you're riding on the left, they come past you, they pull in front of you and then they, they drop onto the left side of the road. It is your obligation that you have to drop out of the draft zone within 15 seconds. Then, but, but then what happens if somebody else passes you, then you've got, you've got to drop back again. And then you can all of a sudden, if, if five or six people pass you, all of a sudden you mm. just go further and further down and this is how packs form is when people start passing and, and it all just becomes a bit of a um, a bit of a mess so 
you've got to be quite aware of what's going on around you. If somebody passes you, yes, you need to drop out of that draft zone, but you also need to be aware of what's going on behind you. And if you sense that you're going to get passed by more guys, um, you've got to make a bit of a conscious effort to keep moving um, and stay, sort of holding your position. And uh, you've got to be careful here about blocking because blocking is when you move out into the into the road and you're going to pass somebody. And if somebody else is passing you from behind, you have to be very, very careful that you're not blocking blocking them in there. And that can sometimes be a technical official's sort of judgment call, but that you've just got to be aware of what's going around on around you. If people start passing you, it may be that you actually need to start doing a little bit of passing as well. Then you've got to factor in, hey, am I starting to do too much surging going on? So uh, I think the main thing there would be to try to stay fairly well up the field. When it comes down to pack riding, this is it just becomes a nightmare and there's not really any um, easy advice you can do here. If you get swamped by a pack of say 20 or 30 guys, it just becomes a nightmare. The, the technical officials, we, should, we have to get a technical official on. Maybe, and, we, should, maybe we should actually get like, Jimmy, Jimmy Riccatello or yeah. somebody on like that. Because there's no answer. If you get swamped by a pack of 30 guys, you either make the choice that you're, you're, you're in it with the rest of them or you drop off the back and you, and you, you sort of sit seven metres off sit the back of right the pack. And, and um, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's not an easy answer yeah, to that. That's and definitely tough. The problem, the sad thing is, is that for a lot of riders out there on the, on the race, an Ironman race, in the ride, a lot of the energy goes into, am I drafting? Yeah, you know what I mean. Instead of am I, what are the things that are going to make me have the best performance, or how can I enjoy this experience? And uh, it's it's just an unfortunate thing of our sport right now, isn't it? And so, if this sort of um, goes back to that decision making process, if you're going to a big race and, uh, and pretty much any North, pretty much any Ironman race these days, yeah. it's going to have thousands of people in it. This needs to be part of your decision making process. Is right if I get into a pace line, how am I going to deal with this? Um, if I get into a pack situation, how am I going to deal with this? Because if you're out there and you're seething when a, a pack comes past you, um, you, you're wasting energy. Whereas if you've made the decision prior to the race, yep. how are you going to react to that? Right, if a pack comes past, I'm going to sit at whatever distance behind this pack. If pack comes past, I'm going to let it go. Whatever decision you're going to make, um, sure you've got to do a bit of thinking on your feet, but have, have a few plan of actions in place. Good work, John. That was great work there. Okay, uh, just a couple of quick ones, John. Yes. First of all, good old Joel Lennox was listening to some old shows. Joel, you must have loved listening to it. He went back and listened to show 74, John. Yes. And then Joe's just doing a little bit of research and listening to a recent report from August 2007 for Iron Man Talk <laughs> episode 74. Iron Man career, woman's result, Christina Wellington won the race. <laughs> Nice. It's not like us to get a name wrong. Uh, very, very bad to mention due to the fact that their website wasn't too sharp. But if we only knew what was coming, we made a little bit of joke about she must be from Wellington. <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, and then also, so last week, if you listened to the show, and Dave Dwine even mentioned this, that when he was coaching on Saturday, he said, Jetstar. Yeah. So we got an email through from Mike Hewison just saying, did you read the article? And I was like, no, I did not read the article. I went to the article, John. Now, for those of you who don't know about Jetstar, don't fly them. I oh, know it's an Australian company, all the Australians going, well, let's support Australia. Well, make a better airline, because John and I are flying there. Yeah. And there's a piece in the, the, the dailymail.co.uk, so it's even hit the UK, how yeah. bad this guys are. Basically, the pilot of an international flight forgot to lower the landing gear yeah. and had to abort a touchdown just 500 feet from the ground because the captain was distracted by his mobile phone. Air safety traffic controllers have found. Australian Jetstar flight... <laughs> So John, my confidence in us getting, even getting to Kona. This is even more reason why people should be donating the show to pay for our funeral costs for our poor partners <laughs> to ma- maintain, the, maintain the, the mortgage for at least the, the short period. 
It is a worry. Oh, John. It is a worry. We're flying Jetstar and I've had nothing but bad experiences <laughs> with Qantas. You damn Australian airline. I don't mind Qantas. I don't mind Qantas. Oh. No, no, Qantas has been good. I'll give Qantas love. I'll give love where it's due, but Jetstar. But Jetstar to Australia, somewhere <laughs> in New Zealand, you can put up with it. I know I went on about this last week, John, but <laughs> I'm just not happy. I've, I haven't slept all week. Yeah. Okay, anyway, that's it. Uh, pop yourself, pop a bit of extreme endurance. Buff, there we go, John. Buff for that, 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 that lactic that's building up as you get angrier and angrier. You're building lactic acid. John, I want some free stuff. You do? Yep. You need to. You need some. Well, you no, because you've got to. I'm leading you. Oh, here. sorry. Right, <laughs> Bevan, do you want some free stuff? I want some free oh, stuff. I was, was, was a page behind you. Um, <laughs> Bevan, you should get on Facebook. Okay, I will. I am. I'm going there right now. Good. And if you go onto the Extreme Endurance Facebook page yep. and you like them, I which like you, probably, you should have already done. I probably have. And if you share something, one of their posts, you go in the weekly draw to get some product nice. giveaways. That's very cunning of them, isn't so it? So it's, it's, it's great. I mean, it's a great promo for, for those guys um, for Extreme Endurance. But if you want free stuff, there you go. Here's your opportunity. If you haven't bought any yet, it's f- free to enter. Go onto Facebook, find Extreme Endurance, like them, share one of their posts. They put up quite a lot of posts in terms of uh, what a lot of the elite athletes are doing. Um, they often have some of the interviews they do with the elite athletes on how they've been using the product and the successes they've been having with it. Just need to share that with um, your friends and Bevan can tell, tell us how to share things. I don't really... Um, oh no, all you do is you just go on one of their posts button. and you just kind of go share. It's easy. You go like, so you, I, I like it. So I already like them, so it's good. And then... Um, then you just go, they've got an article here, Monday product giveaway. Post a training or racing picture yourself on our wall. Please include a quote about why you love using extreme endurance products. And then you basically click on share. Yeah. And then Bob, your oh, uncle, that turns up on your wall. You're in the drawer. I'm in the drawer. There you go. They would love me because I've got over 5,000 Facebook friends. They stop you at 5,000. But nowadays I've got subscribers. Right. Which is weird. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I know all my friends too. Sure you I do. do. I'm close with sure all of them. Yes. Yep. We're tight. Tight. I actually email them every day just to see how they are. That's why I'm so busy, John. Uh, you know, just looking after my peeps. If you want to, get, if you, if you, you're not feeling lucky and you don't think you're going to get that free stuff, you go to xendurance.com, use the code IMTALK, get yourself a nice discount. Now, John, now's the time to do it because it's obviously something new they've introduced to the idea of you know getting helping social networking spread their word. Mm. But people haven't done it yet. Mm. So seriously, do it now, guys, because it'll be one of those things. You know when you do spot prizes at, at races yeah. and they have, you've got to enter the draw? No one even has to say, you, five people enter because everyone else is lazy. Exactly. You turn up, you win the prize. So get on there, guys. I'm, I'm a competition it. enterer. You are? Yeah, I enter competitions. Do you? Do you uh, win much? No. Mm. Uh, <laughs> so code, codes I am talk, and if you're getting automated delivery, use ADIM talk. Oh, Joe Red's still here. Oh, she's got to go. go. See you, babe. Love you. <laughs> Um, okay, John, that's pretty much show. Sponsors. Athlinks.com. Um, all the new stuff. Coffees of Hawaii. Joe, jo, you're having lots of coffee tonight, okay, babe? Yep, she's on. She's <laughs> on. Yes. An extreme <laughs> I'm having endurance. a good night tonight. I'm going to score tonight. <laughs> An extreme endurance. And just be there for and then you get free stuff. Okay, John, so what's your goss? I got I, I, I almost got a bit of a rant at the weekend, Bevan. Oh, oh, oh! So tell me, running season's underway. Yep, and you've been rain, complaining about chicks who go too fast too early. Yep, I didn't get checked at the weekend. Good by any stretch of imagination. How far are you running? Uh, last weekend we had the Hagley relays. Okay. Uh, so first running race of the season, and what what age do you think you should be classified as uh, <laughs> a veteran or a masters man? Oh, masters. Well, what are all the categories? Well, just normally when you say you're a vet. 
What, what does that spring to mind? Well, I don't know because like well, the thing is, do they, is it just is it just young and vet or is there vet then you got, so extra you got, vet? You got, so you got um, your juniors and you got senior men's, vet men's, super vet men's. At what age would you think? Oh, so vet four men's? categories over all those years. Yeah. So juniors is obviously up to twenty. Yep. Well, do I give you 35 or 40, John? That's the question. Yeah. <laughs> this is the question. And the, the correct answer, I'll give you the answer. The correct answer is veterans should start at 40. Yeah, right? I probably agree. Yeah. Yeah, because you can still be pretty sharp up to 40. Yeah. After 40, you're screwed. Yeah. It's <laughs> joking. It's a joke, guys. It's a joke. <laughs> so, rock up to my race at the weekend. It's a relay. So, we've got relay. But surely you like that because you would have done better in vets than what well, you would have done. I, in... I would have. I'm now the ninth best um, veteran man in Christchurch. See? <laughs> See? There you go. Where would you got in the, in the senior men's? I think I got twenty third overall or something. You're like a vet that. now, mate. Go vet. Trust yeah. me. So I'm not. Ha- but I'm not. You're like Cam Brown. Yes, I am. But I just I'm not happy about being a veteran at the age of thirty five. It was masters me actually. I always thought it was forty. Forty. I think you find most sports are about thirty five. Well, it used to. I thought it was in running. It was thirty five for girls and forty for men. Why would it be different? Well, because we live in a sexist society. <laughs> so, okay. okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Good answer. Um, <laughs> so I'm not happy about being a vet. That's my, my rant for this week. So we did a running race this weekend. Went okay. How'd you go? But, How far did you have to run? Uh, it was about four point one, four point two around Hackley Park. Um, it was okay. It was about what I, I got. Got what I deserved. I ran as hard as I could. Can't ask for any more. How'd your team go? I think we got seventh out of. Don't know. What, yeah. 10, 20? 30. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you exaggerate? So I, 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 I was like you did. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was ninth in the Masters men. Over 30, I was a ninth in the over 35 division. See? Nice. Uh, and I think about 23rd overall. So it was, was about what I expected. Out of how many runners? I think in the Masters men, I think it was about 100. And, I was ninth out of about 160. Oh, that's pretty sharp. Oh, come on. It's not that good. Oh. So anyway. I would have been happy with that. Running races back in. Back from the holiday. So I see what you're aiming for then. Um, well, there's always one person I want to beat in our club. <laughs> me and the, me and another person in the club the rivalry took, Did me, you down, beat took me down by about t- by nine seconds. So. Run with Hatpool Hyder. Just okay. And so what are you up to this week? Catching up on work. Quite excited about today. Tommy's going up a, a level in swimming lessons. Oh, he's going, he's so he's like to, a starfish now, is he? He's going to advanced preschoolers. Advanced oh, they don't have the, like the fishy things now. No. Oh, that's a bit silly. Kids love that stuff. You give him the stickers. He gets a certificate, though, for going up a level. So he's advanced for his age group. So what does it mean when you're advanced? Do you now breathe to one side or something? No, he's not quite at that level. Oh, not quite at that level. So that's all good. Is it skill-based, but? Yep. 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 Uh, Skill and age. So he's he's advanced. How old is he now? He's four uh, four and a half. Okay. Yep. So other than that, uh, had a nice holiday in Kaiteri and um, a bit of buggy running going on there. I've worn out the tyres on my buggy running. I've done you think you can take it Albert now? For best in the world three years in a row. I'm not in that sort of shape quite Bridget yet. Swan, you know you love this. <laughs> you know you know Albert's the first best in the world. And this weekend we've got the Rise Up Team Challenge. Oh, I can help. I know. You don't, well, you don't email me <laughs> Monday before. I emailed you months ago and you said, oh, I haven't got my diary sorted yet. Yeah. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. Yeah. Just brushing off the people of Canterbury who are trying to get back into things after all these earthquakes. <laughs> and just brushing them off. Got other things. That's not important to me. So, got that this weekend, so it's all looking good. And that's about it for the stage. Well, John, I got a text from the mate the other night. And guess what I did on the weekend that I haven't done in years? You went for a bike ride? No. No? No. Went no. for a swim? No. I wouldn't mind if, if we lived by lake, I'd swim more. You jumped off your balcony and broke your leg? Close. Close. No. Oh, but you know what did happen? Oh. I'm a bit angry at the neighbours right now, John. Right? Yeah. Because we've got a, we've got a 
so we've got how does it work? We've got a house, then we've got a deck coming off our house, and then so the garaging's underneath the house. So we've got a two story, two garage underneath our house, and then we've got yeah. this random garage that we never really use. Carport, it, so yeah, outside. But there's a garage in there. Oh, you got their garage as well. Yeah, but yeah. Like, who owns the carport outside? Is that yours? Oh, the one around the back. Yeah, I park. Do you park in front of the garage or do you go right round? Oh, yeah, right round. Oh, I don't know whose that is. Okay. You can put there. Yeah. But so our deck goes over the top of the second garage and there's a big pole. Yeah. And someone drove into it and smashed it. Like, really smashed it. Like, our deck could have fallen down and it was that bad. Yeah. Didn't tell us. Really? I know, John. Now, I don't want to blame the neighbours because maybe, surely they would have told us. You'd think so. Yeah, you would, eh? Somebody's going to have a big dent in their car. Well, yeah, I know this thing and I want to do this midnight mission. <laughs> yeah. Because I want to go up to here and go... Yeah. But, um... And I thought maybe I'd just go ask, do you guys know what happened here? But then maybe it was just a tradie or something who came in because mm. the neighbours would know where the pole is. Yeah. But, yeah, it's a little bit disappointing. But we've got a good building mate called Ludie, a good friend of Pornos. Yeah. Came around and fixed it for us last night. It nice. Fixed, so, yeah, that's good. Um, but Friday, John. Yes. I was a babysitter. Right. Literally, like a babysitter. Oh, that's not fun. No, I know. My mate, no. my mate Mark, his family was over and he goes to me, mate, we've got a problem. Like, what's that? And he goes, oh, the family's over going out for dinner. Can you babysit? Or can you enjoy babysit? <laughs> what, babysit? <laughs> so so right baby, on. we're talking what age? Oh, I had a five-year-old. Oh, that's not a baby. 11-year-old oh, and yeah. nine-year-old. Oh, I thought you were talking like a bloody... No, but I went to like a 12-year-old by myself. Yeah. And they had chocolate on the table for me. And they told me the kids had to go to bed at this time. I was I was a babysitter. Oh, I thought you were a baby babysitter, oh, like shit, a 10-week-old I wouldn't do that. Do you know why? Because I'm hopeless at that crap. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, I, I thought that. that was just that's just that's just regular babysitting. What's your problem? Oh, but you don't expect to be babysitting when you're 34. That's true. You get the 17 year old from up the road, don't you? I know. Yeah. yeah. So I wasn't happy about that. Um, off to Hammer. Yeah. Today. That should be good. Anzac Day tomorrow, people. Yep. Do you go to watch them at the surface? No. Is it the thing that you always go to yourself? I should do that, but never do. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I should do that. You should. <laughs> But you're going to hammer instead. No, because Joe Joe, 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 Joe does it like every year. Yeah. So if she even said to me yesterday, I wonder if there's one in Hamner. And next, yeah. I'll go. Because I'm committed. Because awesome. this guy's... I've started reading the Hunger Games. The what? The Hunger Games. Right. Yeah. Just, if you're a kid, you'd be like... Okay. Because <laughs> I'm a babysitter now. Anyway, let's go. I'm just talking crap. So... Next week, uh, we've got Legends of Triathlon coming out, so look out for that. Jeez, John, we've done nearly hour 40. It's just a regular show. We have talked some crap today. Oh, battery's running low. It's time to stop. Legends of Triathlon, Mike Pig. Yep. But we don't do that. We release the same day because it's the first on Tuesday. Sweet. Sweet as, bro. Sweet as, bro. Pull that one out. Pull that one out wherever you are elsewhere in the world. Yeah, just go. Just got someone right now and just go, Sweet as, Sweet as, bro. When yeah. someone says, oh, how do you feel about it? You just go, sweet ass, bro. Stocks down and answer for any question. <laughs> you can't go wrong in New Zealand with that one. Sweet ass, bro. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. I'm Russ. I'm in note. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia car. car. Sweet ass, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go.